Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we have reached the end of the road to Picard. Yeah, this which is the last coincidentally one. is also the end of the next generation. It is. It's Who would all, have thought that almost, could work out like that? Yeah, almost like we planned it. <laughs> almost. And we might have missed some Picard episodes along the way. I'm sure we probably have done, we, notably. Yeah. Uh, the Inner Lights one, but I think we want to do Inner Light in a bit more depth when we come to it, so we will get back to that. Yeah, we missed all the stuff with Klingons. Yeah, there's, there's loads. loads that we haven't done, but I think we've done quite nicely. Yeah, I think looking, we... giving a a bit of where Picard's journey from yeah, when exactly. we first saw him encounter at Farpoint to here, where we are now. And this is a really good episode for that, obviously, because it's got all the the flashbacks because we are talking about all good things the TNG finale yeah. and yeah you get them them cool bits where you get the the, the past timeline and we go back to Encounter at Foul just before Encounter at Farpoint yeah we see we actually see a scene that it could have almost been a cutting room floor scene yeah yeah <laughs> it wasn't we shot it for the shot it for yeah, this yeah. episode but I think the only sort of big thing that gives the game away is Tasha's hair isn't right yeah and she's a bit uh, uh, her face is aged a bit yeah I mean you know it's seven but, years it's yeah the I think like but I think we could all forgive that it was nice yeah, to say it back yeah. to playing Tasha yeah I, I think Denise Crosby was like I'm not for for one gig you know yeah. a week's filming or whatever they did on it so I'm not cutting the hair back to how it was which is fair play Um so yeah, we get loads of really great stuff in this one. So we're gonna move through the episode and try and pick up everything as we go through because there's a hell of a lot going on. A in lot this goes episode. on in this episode. It is a big episode. Right, just before we get into it, like I wanna um, just remember when I first saw this one. It was like as we've said on this podcast numerous times. Like if you wanted to see TNG as close to release date as was possible you pretty much had to either rent them from Blockbuster or buy the The video. And I used to rent them from Blockbuster, obviously, because, you know, way too expensive to buy a tape all the time. Uh, But my mum said I could have this one. And um, I knew when it were coming out. And I remember I got home from school and she'd, like, hung the bag on the door as I got in (laughs) because she she knew I'd just want to get it (laughs) as soon as I could. So it was, like, there waiting for me. And um, yeah, so obviously I was just like, hi, oh, boom, straight to the living room to watch see, it. I, I didn't see it till it was on BBC Two. Yeah, so but that'll have I've been, said uh, this all, all all along. Most of my Star Trek viewing when I was younger was on BBC. Yeah, yeah. Two. I think for a lot of people it yeah. was as well. Cause, um, you know, Sky sort of got hold of it from season four, and I think. Um, like all of it was definitely on BBC it, Two. It all was, but I think Sky uh, uh, DS Nine had it. Went on BBC Two as well. Yeah. Did Voyager? I don't know if Voyager did because the, the way it used to work were like Sky had from season four and next year onwards. Sky would show it first, then BBC Two would get it after a delay. Yeah. And um, you know, this were obviously days before we had streaming services and all this business. So you know, it was yeah, you couldn't just watch something the minute it had no. aired. There was no sort of catch up video on demand, <laughs> any of that. <laughs> But yes, that's how I sort of came to this one, and 
It was pretty cool because the the TNG videos they all had a like a publicity shot of the crew, and they changed it for this one to be the older versions, you know, from the future bit. So that were pretty good, and again, just before we start it, I noticed the the Netflix version of this is the extended edition, which they did release on VHS, and I don't know that might have been the one that BBC showed. I'm not sure. It's... There's you're going back oh. yeah exactly <laughs> there's one or two little extra 25 bits. years 26 years it will be yeah like the bit where Picard goes to the replicator and he says T.L. Grey Hot and it says it's not being programmed yeah that was a little bit that was added and the bit where uh, Q's the old man and he's got like the ear horn and he, he's saying what do you want your money <laughs> <clears throat> and um, so those bits were added back in for an extended version but you know Really, it's, it's they don't add anything to the story. No, just it's two minutes, if that. But it, I fell for it at the time. I bought the video again to get <laughs> the extra bits. So, but I think generally in subsequent broadcasts, um, those bits have been included. So, yeah, I missed out on buying TNG on video. Yeah, I just bought I just bought all of DS Nine on video from a charity shop, yeah. and they had the TNG in, and I've been buying it a season a week. Yeah. I've done a deal with them. I want it all. Put it aside, but I only want to buy it yeah, yeah. season a week. And some uh, bastard went in and bought the TNG. <laughs> I was gutted. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the thing. It was trying to, trying to complete your collection. was yeah. just ridiculous. Because there were always episodes you couldn't find. Like, I remember I had Best of Both Worlds Part 2 and Family on one tape. Well, when I bought my DS9, it came... It was missing one or two tapes from season one yeah but the only way I could get them I had to buy the whole of season one from someone else that's it I couldn't exactly. they wouldn't sell me just the two tapes yeah. they were just selling a season all right yeah so no, I, I would th- I give away the other 11 tapes didn't want yeah. to be one of my mates <laughs> I, w- I were like for ages trying to get best of both worlds part one you know but you just couldn't yeah. find it anywhere it was oh. and I had the same thing like uh, there was a like a car boot sale near us and my mum rung me and she says oh they've got loads of next gen tapes down here and I went down and he'd only sell it as a full season yeah. he, had, he had complete season 1 and 2 and I maybe had half of them and he, he wouldn't budge on it and, he won't, and I didn't bother because that was DVD had just sort of come out at the time and I was like yeah, I'm probably going to get it on DVD so leave it but anyway Anyway, let's crack on with this episode because <laughs> we could end up doing a whole podcast just on our VHS histories and, and DVD collections. Yeah, and there's <laughs> quite a lot to get through on this one. So it starts off with Worf and Troy, who've been for a walk on the holiday yeah. and about to share a kiss and all this. And this was a season seven thing, wasn't it, Worf and Troy? Yeah, there'd been a few sort of hints of it yeah. here and there that there could be some. And this is like the first date yeah because they did they did a couple of episodes in season 7 there was parallels and Worf saw a parallel universe where he were with Troy and then Troy had that one where it called Eye of the Beholder where she saw an alternate reality where she were with Worf so yeah. they both seen the relationship but it's not really happened yeah. until now and then it, it, sadly you don't get any resolution to this. Well, you at have all. even earlier than this. You have the episode I can't remember what season it is where Worf has his back broken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he um, and he's off to leave Alexander with, with Troy. He trusts her as the most. 
I wouldn't have been keen well, on that if well, I tried that. Right, yeah, like you could weekend. imagine that she walked out of the room and screamed. Yeah, she <laughs> went straight to Dr. Crush's, like, you make sure you fix his batteries, I'm not having that little shit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there is that there's, one. But there has been this history of them. In parallels, I think they say that's where it kind of started, yeah. was uh, that and everything, and... Here it's main, you know, in this episode it pays off really to have this thing with Riker and Worf, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it's it's to give some impetus to that, but you never get obviously TNG finished. Uh, Worf went to DS now. Well, no, he did Generations first. He did Generations first? But sorry, it's not, this relationship's not carried on in Generations. It's, it's certainly like, not shown. No. To be. So we see it here, sort of blossoming as a relationship. Yeah. In this episode. We've had like a season of a build up, build up, to, up it. to it, yeah, and then it's just allowed to drop. And I think um, apparently there was a scene in Way of the Warrior where O'Brien was going to say, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear it didn't work out with you and Diana. Yeah. Uh but they cut it for time. And but even so, that would have been the only yeah kind of acknowledgement we get of it, which. It, it does seem a bit of a shame that they, they spent a lot of time setting it up and then, and then didn't go yeah. anywhere with it. Because, like, um, Generations was in production at the same time. Yeah, as they were it filming. was. It was being... It was same writers yeah, as well. Yeah, it, was actually, it was being filmed while they were still filming. They were... Gender, end of Next Generation. Yeah, they were writing this and they were writing Generations at the same yeah. time. And, you know, quite a, quite a task, really, to take on. Um so yeah like I know a lot of people are keen on the Wharf Diana thing but I, I thought what we did get of it was alright yeah you know. it could have been an interesting one there's a really good book uh, by Peter David uh, Imzadi 2 Triangle I think it's called and that is set sort of after Generations uh, before First Contact and it does deal with like what happens with this relationship right. and everything and there's a lot about Riker in it and I, I can't remember it's a while since I've read it but I do remember it being a, a good read as most of Peter David's books are yeah. so that one's worth checking out if you want a, a non-canonical take on what happened but it's probably the closest we'll ever get now yeah, so. yeah it won't anything else yeah and then Picard interrupts the kiss then and says that he's moving through time. And what I thought were quite interesting is like, you know, there's a lot packed into this episode. So much so that we join it after it's already started sort of thing. You yeah. Know? A normal episode, you'd be, it'd be something's going on, normal day, and then boom, we see Picard moving through time. Right, it's already moving uh, through time. He's yeah, been yeah. to the future already. And yeah, exactly. Past so and we're thrown straight into it. And we get, you know, Dr. Crusher's checking him out and everything. Yeah, and, can't find anything. And then then it sort of flash cuts, doesn't it, to you've got the future, Picard. Yeah. Now, this is... It, it's quite interesting, this, because the flash forward here mm. is um, 25 years. Right. If you do the maths... Was it 2002? Yeah. We had Nemesis. I, I wrote so this down somewhere. I've worked out that we're actually about 26 years Picard's going to be set. Yeah, it's the future's 25... Well, basically they say it's 25 years since they were last together on the Enterprise. Yeah. So if you take it from... Um, if it's from this episode, then it'd put it in 2395 which is four years before Picard right 
or if you say that it's from the last time we see them together, which is Nemesis 2404, that that would take you to 2404, and that's five years after Picard. Or if it's the last time on the Enterprise D, D, then, yeah, you're getting closer to yeah. So, yeah, we're not far we're, off at all. It, just to, it's a couple of years we were in, that yeah, done this and fact, which is quite a cool... That they've yeah, done it that way. <laughs> it's worked out well, and and he and he is on his vineyard. Yeah, which, you know, he don't look to have a beard in the new show. No, but, but we can. Think- but yeah, it's um, it is interesting how it's the cards have fallen with yeah. that. And then yeah, we get this sort of thing with Geordie and everything, and he's chatting with him. And then we go back to the past again, and this is the bit we were talking about with Tasha. Yeah, it's a nice. He is suddenly in a shuttlecraft yeah. next to Tasha Yar. And, she- and it's the first time he's about to see the Enterprise. And it's yeah. almost like the bit we Scotty and Kirk in motion picture, like yeah. the first time he sees the ship, but obviously we don't spend 20 minutes flying, flying around, around the Enterprise. No. You, know, I don't you can think. only do porn properly once. Yeah, you, and you can only do it in the movies. You can't get away with that. <laughs> on TV because it'd have had to have been a three part three parts yeah three part two is just the flyover Uh, but it's cool that it's like the first day aboard the Enterprise first time we see him and yeah you get the impression this is like minutes before where we he first sort of walks out of the shadow in Encounter at Farpoint and we go back to the old uniforms and remember how horrible they were yeah Uh, so yeah it's all pretty cool and then back in the future then we find out here that Geordie is implied to be married to Leah Brams yeah which it really because basically he made a dirty program of her and you know without a permission and everything yeah but they sort of get on the note by the end and all mm, that sort of it's a bit it's a bit but once you're married she was married, but obviously he's he's got rid of her, or maybe he's got Picard to do it. So we know what well, your feelings are on Picard doing away with <laughs> husbands. Um, it isn't my feelings; it's a fact. You're right; it's in the script. <laughs> and this idea of it being Leah Brands, apparently in the original script, it was going to be Aquiel. You know, from that episode where there's the shapeshifter that's a dog. That, yeah. Uh, uh, but they were like, oh no, all the fans really hated that episode, so we won't remind them of that in the finale. <laughs> Which I think was probably a, a wise move. Yeah. I don't mind. George has got Leah Brams, so. Um, and he's a novelist as well. It's, he, he says, I've read your latest book. Yeah. And, and it's clearly a fiction book, so he talks about the protagonist. Well, we know he can do holodeck and, fiction. Well, that's it, exactly. Maybe so, he's not married to Leah at all. No, he's just like. Yeah. Lee Brams is obviously into holodeck stalkers. Yeah, yeah, that'll be it. So, yeah, Geordie's doing all right for himself. And they decide they're going to go visit Data, who's now... Is he like the Dean of Oxford? or uh, Not Oxford, Cambridge. Cambridge, isn't it? Yeah, is he like the Dean yeah. professor or something? <laughs> and he's, he's gone a bit eccentric. He's, he's white in his hair yeah, and everything. Yeah, he thinks he makes it look like he's aged. I quite like that though. No, I mean, it reminds me of I can't remember his name, the lead singer from The Damned. The Damned, I don't know. Punk band, name. punk yeah, band yeah. I'm into. Oh, I used to be into. And he had um, a big, he used to have his hair done with a grey streak. Yeah. And oh. it's like, for years, I think everyone thought, oh, it was a grey streak because it was always there. Yeah. And as he got older, his hair wasn't. <laughs> I didn't have this well, grey streak anymore. I saw um, as Mate Sorden yesterday. 
and he's got like almost a kind of light brown almost gingery streak and he says that he hadn't dyed it he said oh yeah it's just going that way it's probably going to go grey eventually I'm like no you've you've dyed that <laughs> if he's listening we <coughs> we do think that you've dyed it but anyway yeah so Data's doing that and he's got loads of cats he's become like a crazy cat well he did man. have a cat he's always he had, had a cat so. so I do like how um, his housekeeper asked uh, Picard to speak to her about the grey in his hair yes. <laughs> how ridiculously he yes, looks it out. <laughs> and um, I like how Picard's right sake about the tea like you say it's Earl Grey I can swear it's dad's healing and she's like really pissed off by this but to be fair they're in Cambridge in England they should be getting the tea right yeah though I think I'd prefer a Darjeeling over an Earl Grey if I were given I quite like Earl Grey I'm, I'm not, not a tea drinker you see I really? like tea but see I like my coffee I, I like I like Yorkshire tea and I just like English breakfast tea like if you go any of these places where they're like do you want this do you want that do you want no no just give me a proper cup of tea but anyway so I, I like the sort of interaction there that Picard's clearly not happy and she's clearly not happy with him and everything. <laughs> so yeah, so they're sort of talking to Data and basically they kind of think though that this is uh, this is where we get those sort of first references. This eremotic syndrome. Yeah, he's got some it's, sort of. It sounds like a degenerative brain it's, disease. It's what his mother died of, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the same disease ah, his mother died of. Interesting. So it'd be. Which means that it's obviously could it's be hereditary. Probably hereditary, and it's yeah, it's obviously akin to like dementia. Or yeah, Alzheimer's but um, there isn't a cure for it still. Even yeah. in the twenty fourth century, there's no cure for yeah. this. and it's there's not a lot they can do. It, it, we find out in the present they find like early sort of signs of it, but it's not manifest. Well, they find itself. they find what could turn into it. Yeah, yeah. So it's this interesting thing of Picard sort of saying to Beverly, you know, my future's not set and all yeah. this, but we're, on the other hand, we are seeing it play out where he has got it, and it it creates this kind of sense of, is Picard right? Is, he, is what he's saying about this anomaly and everything, is that going to be true? Yeah. Or can we actually trust his judgment? And it's, it's a nice kind of play between their loyalty to Picard and their acceptance of the reality well, that he might not yeah, actually like know we what do get, doing. They do actually say this when they get up to the past there, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It, it, like, uh, with, like, he says, I know, I might know a captain, I, I have some pulse yeah, yeah. still, at least I used to. Yeah. <laughs> And it turns out when they get there, it's the pastor and it's um, Beverly it's Crusher. Beverly, or Beverly Picard. Well, Beverly Picard is, now. Yeah. We find out that they did get married, which I think is quite nice, but they've been divorced. Yeah. It's, again, that's a... This sort of comes out a bit out of left field with Beverly and with Picard, because as we've talked about in loads of them, there's always been a thing. Yeah. But they never quite push the button on it as a story. Well, um, I watched the episodes... What's There's it called? Attached. Attached. Yeah, where they... And they, and they, and they realise that they both do have attraction yeah, for each other. but they kind of... And a sexual attraction for each yeah. other. But they don't act on it there. Oh, Picard's really to act on it there. Yeah. Beverly isn't. And, and then... So, the, everything yeah, is there for yeah, it, it to make oh sense. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it, it doesn't make sense. It does. What I find odd is that, like, you have in the... Obviously, in the future bit, they're married or were married... In the past bit, Beverly does kiss Picard and she says, you know, you never know 
where it'll hold, which implies this is going to go somewhere. Yeah. And again, we don't. None of the movies even none, touch on no. this. You know, they they almost have a couple of them, like replacement love interests for yeah. Adam. I know there's um, there's Anne. She's in Insurrection. Insurrection. That's very clearly a a romantic attraction. But there's I forget her name now, but the lady in uh, First Contact, and it's never, they never do anything. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of, there's a bit of something between them, and I think it's a bit of a shame for... Like, I hope that they do touch back on this with Beverly. And yeah. I, I'd be quite happily, happy if they've been married at some point and divorced. Yeah. That, they'll, that they touch onto this timeline and keep it there. Yeah, I'd like that, and I, I like that... Even though they are divorced, they clearly still have affection for yeah. each other and, and respect for each other and everything. So I think it's handled really, really well. And then this is sort of contrasted with you've got the more experienced Picard in the future who his friends are having a question his judgment. Yeah. But then in the past, you've got a crew who doesn't know him. And so they're and being pushed and they're in, que- uh, and questioning they're, Yeah, he knows... Yeah. He knows... He's remembering them from the future. Yeah, and you, you get it in the past bit where he's seen these flashes of these people, basically we find out are from Encounter at Farpoint, yeah. from the, the the trial and everything. And they start to question his, his sanity there. And there's a couple of other nice touches in the past bit, like where... Um, he talks to Worf about security and then Yar says, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, he's got used to, obviously, Worf being in charge. And then the plot sort of starts to come together around this time because in the past and in the present, they're sent on a mission to the neutral zone. No, he, he diverts the neutral zone in the he, past. Sorry, he diverts, yeah. So we're seeing similar things are happening. Yeah, in the present, they're sent on the mission. Because the Romulans are moving. Yeah. And then, so we're seeing it ripple in the different time zones and everything. And back in the future, as we talked about, like there's this thing with Riker and Worf, and we come to realise over the course of the episode, this is because Deanna's died. Yeah, we don't, this is never explained. No, it isn't. And uh, again, going back to another Peter David book, um, the last one I talked about was Imzadi 2. Imzadi 1 is actually a story about a future where uh, Deanna's died and Riker's become an admiral. Well, and we do know from trailers we've seen now of uh, Picard that oh, yeah, Deanna that, hasn't that, died no, and she's actually married happily. to Riker still. Yeah, and ultimately, not to give away the plot of the Book of Inzadi, there's some timey-wimey stuff goes yeah. on and it, it doesn't happen. But, but it's interesting. It's almost like it's telling this story of this future if yeah. you read that book it's really again it's a, a great book I think Imzadi the first one might be one of the best Star Trek books I think I've read it's great um, so check that one out but yeah it, the parallels to this storyline are quite interesting and then um, because we've got these two bits going on you know in the past and in the present the neutral zones involved Picard wants to try and get there in the future yeah and this is where, as you say, it's I've got some pull with the captain. <laughs> and we find out that the the relationship with the Klingons is not so good. Yeah, that's deteriorated. And basically the Klingons have taken over the Romulan Empire. Yeah. 
So that's quite an interesting power shift. And yeah. I wonder how that might play into Picard because we know from Star Trek 09 that Romulus is destroyed. Yeah. So there will be a power vacuum, but the last time, you know, last time we saw this era was Nemesis and everything and they were on good, you know, the Klingons and Federation were good relations, so whether this will happen... Yeah, and we, like with DS9, it was all happy families, weren't it, with the Klingons back at the end of it. So, I don't know, and you mentioned DS9 there. Worf in this timeline looks like a natural extension of what happens in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So he finishes DS9 as the ambassador, and here he's a governor. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. We've seen Star Trek VI, Michael Dorn plays Worf's grandfather, who's also a governor. So it's there's lots of lovely sort of continuity here, and you know, it's... Well, there's, they, do, they did take a... They, I know that we pull them apart sometimes for continuity yeah, yeah, yeah. errors and all that. But there's actually a lot... They do look at trying to keep continuity quite yeah, well at times and, and fit things in. And, and what's interesting is that, as I say, like with DS9 obviously took this idea of Worf being a governor and left him in a place where that could have happened. Yeah. Subsequently, it's undone with the next gen films where he you know there's no nothing's really acknowledged well, with that nemesis actually specifically the other films are fine they still work but they, he's just back on the enterprise and there's no explanation given well he was there for a wedding he was but he's in uniform and he's clearly yeah starfleet yeah you know and he's assigned to that ship again yeah which don't make a lot of sense my sort of headcanon was always that um he wanted to go be the Klingon ambassador but he his tour hadn't finished so they were like you've got to go finish your tour of duty and i know starfleet probably don't work like yeah but that were kind of my headcanon but i think there was another deleted scene where they were going to have a bit where someone said, oh, what happened to you being the ambassador? He said something like, you know, diplomacy don't agree with me or some, you know, very wharf kind of thing yeah. to say. But I think it's a shame that that wasn't followed up on. And it, yeah, like, Nemesis did leave a lot of... Yeah, and I think we said when we, re, you know, we talked about Nemesis, it would be about a year ago now. Yeah. But, uh, I think we said then... It would have made perfect sense for the Klingon ambassador to have been on that mission because they're going to Romulus, yeah. and you know, it could have been. It just it handed itself to them, and instead of doing it, they went, "No, we're going to do something else." Really, that doesn't weird. make sense. That breaks all the con- what people are actually doing. Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, so, back in this episode, then, in the past, Picard basically, even though they've got orders that are different, he wants them to go where they went in Encounter at Farpoint and watching it closely this time I was like, I realised that yeah, this is where he knows Q's behind this because he's like, I want to go where I know Q is in yeah, this timeline it... basically I want to get hold of him and see what he's doing <laughs> and ultimately Q does reveal himself at this point and we go back to the trial from yeah. um, Encounter at Farpoint, which is a lovely way of bookending the whole of Next Generation. Well, it was. It's sort of like, this is where it started, and this it's all finishing with the... Yeah. 
It's side of a trial, and we're finishing the trial. Yeah, and as we said when we did True Q, Q has already said this trial isn't over. Yeah. But we find, you know, this episode it's confirmed, you know. Yeah. Picards of the mind that, no, when we solved the Farpoint thing. That was it. That was done, we're all right, and he's, no, no, no. No. It's still <laughs> going on. And this time you're guilty and you're going to be wiped out and it's yeah. all done and dusted. And, yeah, this is where it gets really interesting. I'm going to try and sort of pick apart the chain of events and everything as we go through with the time jumps, but Q's responsible for Picard moving through time, so we get this great bit where he's I'll answer ten questions. Yeah, and he goes, are you responsible for me jumping through time? I'll answer, I'll answer that if you keep it a seek, if you yeah. don't tell anyone else. And that's obviously the Q continuum don't approve of him no well the queue of the queue have said that they're finishing the trial finishing them yeah and queue's decided to help him yeah exactly and this is the thing queue really is kind of the hero of this story yeah. because if he hadn't have done this there's no way picard would have worked this out no it's only because he's got the juxtaposition of the three time periods that, that he can work yeah. it out because this, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to like what the nature of the anomaly is and everything. But it, it's a. I think it's one of them where you've just got to not think about it. Cause it is a bit of a head scratcher <laughs> whether it works. As it such. does work. It, it does. A very... lot of it does. But there's a, there's a couple of things I'm going to pull up later like, on. But I did notice that um, Q's up had his chair upgraded in seven oh, years. Is it? Yeah. Um, like I just like while I was watching this thought. Hang on, I'm off to have a quick look at Karen yeah. 5.7 difference. And his chair has these lovely gold arms on them. Right. In in this episode. Oh, were they not there back in the day? No, they were, uh, like, looked really bad plastic <laughs> right. wood. Okay. Well, that's probably because... Um, the budget's you know, probably yeah, gone up this slightly. this is a hit show now, so <laughs> you can... You can and you're not making a pilot. No, that's true. And probably, yeah, you've got... You've got it's the last episode, so you don't have to save money for yeah. anything. So we can get you a gold thing. <laughs> and one of the interesting twists is he says you'll be destroyed, but it'll be your fault. Yeah, you destroyed. And the meaning there, you could take it one of two ways. It could be humanity will be destroyed. It'll be humanity's fault. But he also means it will literally be Jean Luc. He's literally fault. telling him, "No, this is what. Yeah. This is you. You literally you, you. do it." <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we get to that and we find out um, how that all works out. But by Picard realizes here that Q is giving him a chance to save humanity. Yeah. It's you'll wipe yourself out, but I'm allowing you to try and undo it. And I think that's the most sort of altruistic we've seen Q, and the most kind really towards Picard. It's, he's not playing games with him really here I get this obviously he's he, jumping him around he's jumping he's helping him as much as he can get he away is, with that's it within the queue because yeah. the queue have sentenced and them the basically and the jumping around in this instance is not queue messing with Picard it, it's necessary he's putting him where he has to be at the exactly, right times exactly yeah and if if he pieces it together it'll and be right even more so as we get towards the end like he, I remember I was watching it and thinking it's really convenient that he jumps to that time at just the right... But of course it is, because Q's, Q's doing it. Yeah. 
So, you know, that that's a, a good one for the writers. They've, they've covered the back with that one. And it's, you know, it's not an error. And, um, yeah, I like that. I like that we've talked a lot about how... Q's, Q's changed. Yeah, he has. Like, Q, like, I, I, if you watch this on Netflix... Straight afterwards, there's a Jonathan Frake special where oh, he looks yeah, yeah, yeah. at... That was on the it, special edition video. And it's the making of this episode, which yeah. shows that they're making... Which is great. I know that they were making Generations at the same time. Yeah. That's actually like parts that they'd filmed. Yeah. But they, talk, they call Q the villain. Yeah, he's not and in this. I think Q was the villain in Encounter at yeah, Firepoint, without a shadow of a doubt. And in and some other episodes. In some other episodes, was. but as it's moved on, Q has become less and less of a villain. No, he has. He's, he's absolutely an ally here. Yeah. It, and he, he has some episodes he's just mischievous and yeah, just yeah. goes to. But this one, he, his agenda is I want Picard to save humanity. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe with Q, is it really. Is he bothered about humanity or is it just that he cares about Picard and he doesn't want Picard to go? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, it is that that is. But whatever his reasoning yeah, is. I think you probably hit the nail on the head. He actually likes Picard. He enjoys yeah. the banter between the two yeah, of them. Yeah, and he don't want to. He don't want to lose Picard. And the only way he can save Picard is having the side effect of saving the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'll have to Well, do if that's it. what I've got to do. <laughs> But he, he is, he's, I do think he's an out-and-out out hero in this episode yeah. rather than a villain. And then back on the past one, I thought there were shades of, you remember when we looked at Allegiance where Picard, the doppelganger's acting weird. Yeah. And you sort of got the same thing going on here in the past now because he's he's changing orders and he's saying we're going here and we're yeah, doing so this. Yeah, and and so you are getting the crew thinking, you know, what what's he playing at? And it's a very similar situation. And then it all leads to the get to um, what is it? The Devron Devron system. And there's this anomaly there, and it's in the present, and it's in the past, but it's not in the future. Yeah. And you get that great bit where he's going on screen, on screen, and then it's not there, and they're all. The ones in the future are thinking, oh, it has just been a, a wild goose chase yeah. and we've humoured him too long and it's, you know, it's clearly a delusion kind of thing. And obviously we find out the reason why it's not there as we go on. But I like that at this stage, Picard's... He started off sort of being disoriented with the time shifts, didn't he? Yeah. But at, at this stage, he's getting to the point where... He knows what's going on. And he's, he's expecting him in his stride. And he's using knowledge from one time frame to inform another one. Like, in the future, old data says, we'll use a tachyon pulse. And then he gets back to the present. And he says, let's do a tachyon pulse. Would that be able to scan it? <laughs> And you get these moments where Data's sort of looking bemused, like, how's <laughs> Picard uh, Coming out with these, these are what I work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you get you sort of get an inverse of that later on, where in the past he says, is there anything that could do this? He says, oh, there's an experimental thing in the Daystrom Institute. <laughs> so he goes to the present and, and he goes, present, have we got? <laughs> have we got one? Yeah, of course we have. And, you know, it's brilliant. It, that's really, really clever writing. I really enjoy it. And then we find out there's a lot of technobabble in this one as well. Yeah. But it works. It, it's clear what the function of everything is. And you can still invest in the drama, yeah. even though it's all a bit... 
So it starts off with anti-time, which is what's created this anomaly. No, I don't mind something like anti-time. I can get my no, head around I'm, what I'm that happy is. happy with anti-time, yeah. I'm not happy, happy with it. It's not, it doesn't seem to be a good thing. But <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And I like that Picard's really at this stage, he is rolling with the jumps because he says, he says anti-time. Uh, but then he's jumped, so he was saying it to old data, but then young data sort of says anti-time, sir, and he says, I think if you scan that, you'll find out it's anti-time. <laughs> so he's, he is getting used to it. Yeah. He, he's able to leverage it. Then we get some really, really cool action where the Klingons attack. Yeah, they're going against the pastor. It's this new, is it the Nekvar class or something? And it's the first time we saw that ship. It was later used in DS9 yeah. and possibly in Voyager, I can't remember. But, um, but at this point, it was a brand new model um, for this episode. And I think it's a pretty cool design. It is a nice. And then you get the Enterprise, future Enterprise D to... Yeah, now, for a long time I was disappointed with this. Yeah. Because I thought, 25 years... Um, you could have done a future enterprise. Yeah, you could have. You could definitely. But then I thought. But then I was looking back on it now, and I thought, "Hang about." They had generations in production here. Yeah, they did. And decided the Enterprise D is getting blown up. Yeah. And these have they've actually been quite thoughtful not doing a new Enterprise. Yeah, because they just tying the hands them. of the further move future movies. Yeah. Let them decide and how also, it's going. I suppose to some extent it's a budgetary thing because. If you'd have had to build a brand new model of a new Enterprise on a TV budget... Well, we've done it with the Klingon ones. They have, but they probably knew, yeah, they'll be used in yeah, DS9 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, and also, if they'd have built an Enterprise E on a TV budget, would it have been good enough to stand up to scrutiny under the movie cameras? Well, that's the thing. Did they want, should it have gone to the movies and then you sort of tie the hands to how it has exactly, to look in the movies yeah. and... But no, I, let them. I think the look with the three nacelles, and there's a couple of other embellishments. So there's a big bloody cannon down there yeah, on the like side of it. Three nacelles. Um, for a long time, Gene Roddenberry always said that you had to have even numbers of nacelles. Yeah, because they and they have and they had to be in view of each other. Yes, to create the warp field, yeah. which is why the Romulan warbird has got the massive hollow in the yeah. middle. But yeah, they kind of dropped that, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's... And they've dropped it like single nacelle ships shouldn't work yeah, in the same way, salad and class. You know, to to sort of voice something that we hear far too often on the internet, but, you know, this isn't Roddenberry's Star Trek. Yeah, well, it, at this point, it's uh, Rick Steinbeck. Who I love Rick Steinbeck's work. Rick Berman, you mean? No, Rick Steinbeck. Rick Steinbeck. Is, oh, I see the designer. Is, Sorry, I yeah. thought you meant the showrunner. No, yeah, Rick Stein, Steinbeck yeah. at this point is like um, his official title was um, head illustrator. Right, but he basically designed the ships and uh, yeah, yeah. And he well, he's outdone himself on this episode. So say we got the new Nekvar class. We've got the Pasteur, which is. It's an update of a TOS ship, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, it's jazzed up and made modern and everything. I love that design. And we get the Enterprise D. And, like, when I've looked at it, like I say, it always annoyed me that they couldn't, didn't do something new and they just... I thought, yeah. I thought it was lazy. Just yeah. sticking an extra little cell on and a big gun underneath. Yeah, yeah. And it's got little wings out of the bottom of the... It does, yeah. From the bottom of the pylons. But 
thinking on it now, it's like, no, actually, you've done what you could with your model, on your budget. It's yeah. not CGI, bear in mind. These are, no, no, they've added to the model. Yeah, like, I think these models, to do sort of like, probably the Klingon ones would probably it'd be about 25, 30 grand. Yeah, yeah. For like the Enterprise, you're talking hundreds of thousands. Yes, I mean the the primary the, model that they used was enormous, yeah, as big as a car or yeah. something practically, and yeah, you know, to add to it. And what they do with it in this episode as well is when it comes in to make the save, it comes in uh, sort of vertically. Yeah, which I thought was nice. They haven't gone with great. the yeah, and we, you know we we'd never really done that. On certainly not on Star Trek. Yeah, it's TV. always at the same. A lot of the time, it's at the same plane. Yeah, and that was brilliant yeah, to see. Space is all around, three hundred sixty degrees, and yeah, you'd come at an enemy ship where you're going to get the biggest surface area, yeah. and if you come at it on the same plane, you're only going to be able to yeah. snipe the bridge or you're knackered really. But so I really like that, and I think that's probably a bit telling. You know, it's finale budget. We can do something yeah. like that. We've never been able to do before, and it's a really, really good sequence. I think looking at Jonathan Frakes now, I think they were maybe a bit unfair on him in this episode with how grey they thought he were going to get. I don't think he's quite as grey as yeah. um, he is, and I think I think he's the one. The aging makeup is. Maybe the least realistic. Yeah. It looks like someone who they've grown up his beard <laughs> and they've grown up his hair and everything. And But I like it's Admiral Riker and he makes yeah. a save. And I, I like if you. I like the fact that they've also gone to the length of new uniforms for one episode. Yeah. Do you have to make 25 uniforms for this? 20, right, okay. To do this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's 25 new uniforms. That's a big investment as well. So, and, and it's for a one off. <laughs> Because it's not the uniforms the late are going to use no. in um, First Contact, no. you know, it is just for this. But, if you look at these uniforms and look at what we've seen of Picard, there is a lot of similarity. I mean, Picard, they've got the the colour on top and then the black lower yeah. down. But the design, if you ignore the colours for now, the design of having like a, a divide at the shoulder level and the rank pips above that... And the com badge below oh, yeah. it is very similar to what we're seeing in yeah. Picard, as is the design of the com badge itself. So, so you know, it's it, again. I think they have looked at this. Yeah, and, and the thought. Well, we can't. We're not going to copy it. Obviously, we've got better budgets. Yeah, we we are making our own thing. But let's take some of these design yeah. aspects and sort and, of. Like it is an alternate future. Yeah, that's so things it. are going to be different, but, but there's going to be there's going to be a through line. And I liked in um, DS9's The Visitor when they have future bits, they use these uniforms and these com badges again. Like you have Captain Nog yeah. on the Defiant, yeah. and it, you know it's it's a reason. Like obviously, obviously at the time I didn't know they were reusing them, but no, no. But yeah, so it's there's a yeah, lot of interesting nice fact. Twenty five new uniforms were made. Yeah. I bet when they did it in DS9, I bet they they didn't do new ones. I bet they just fit people into whatever whatever they had left over have from we got, this. Yeah, like in Generations, where you've got Frakes is wearing Avery Brooks's uniform because they <laughs> couldn't make, and you can tell because it only comes up to his uh, his elbows practically. <laughs> and then future Picard, then they sedate him because he's adamant they're not gonna lose, not gonna leave this anomaly is going to appear, they sedate him, and then 
we sort of jump back to the present and you've got this thing going on, Geordie's regrowing his eyes. Yeah. Um, and Nurse Agawa loses, loses the baby, baby, which is quite dark, really. Yeah. For, um, I mean, I suppose the end of the episode, it, it gets undone, doesn't it? So we don't Well, everything everything of this episode yeah, is undone. We finished where we started, don't we? Yeah, so, nothing, nothing... At the end of the episode, none of the episodes happened. Yeah. So, yeah, Nurse Agawa <laughs> doesn't lose the baby, which is nice, but it's... Yeah. Yeah, that's quite dark for TNG, really, to do something like yeah. that. And um, Geordie regrowing his eyes, like, it's in... Perhaps it's implied that whatever happens to him in the present is why he has different eyes in the future. But again, they follow that up in First Contact, yeah. and it's very similar to the design that... Yeah, it is. Jody does get with the contacts, and I know LeVar Burton was relieved that he got to do that. Yeah, get rid, the, get rid of the visor at last. Well, I think for an actor, it's, well, I can't use my eyes. Yeah. You know, it, that, it, and it's not just, you know, you can't see the whites of my eyes, it's, you you know, all the muscles around the eyes, yeah. and, you know, it, how do you show fear? You, yeah. you widen your eyes, you know, so it's... It, it must be frustrating for an actor, and it, it's good that he finally got to uh, to act without it. But yeah, and then this is where Q intervenes again, and he's almost giving Picard the answer here. It's, <laughs> I'm going to take you right back to the birth of human civilization. <laughs> the anomaly is nearly as big as the galaxy now. Well, it's the entire Alpha Quadrant. Alpha Quadrant, sorry. Yeah, and he and he shows him. I think it's probably a bit of an embellishment that Labar France is exactly where it's happened. Humanity yeah. happened, but, but yeah, you know, fair enough. I quite like it. Here we go. Amino acid moving towards amino acid, and nothing happens. Nothing happened. <laughs> and this is it. And Picard realizes, okay, so I created the anomaly, and the anomaly destroys humanity. Yeah. So I've not done it directly. And it's it's seeing it as big as it is at this stage in the past that he realizes right it gets bigger, bigger the further back you go, and that's when he starts to piece it together and everything, and and he realizes that it's the fact that they've done these pulses in all three time periods, and the convergence of that has created, created this, this anomaly, which yeah. has then travelled back through time and everything. So it's it's quite a a highbrow sci-fi concept to wrap your head round, yeah. and bear in mind that you know, next gen, far and away, has been the most popular Star Trek series with a general audience. It's been the most accessible. It's the one that got to the the highest mainstream yeah. level during its own run. I mean, obviously, original series is just part of popular culture now, but. But Next Gen was something that most during people... During its actual run was... And people watched it casually. People who weren't sci-fi geeks, yeah. weren't Trekkies. It was just a thing. And to do in your finale what is quite a heavy sci-fi concept, it's quite risky, but it's... Well, it isn't risky because they're not going to go, well, I'm not no, watching true. that next yeah, week, yeah, No, fair. we know you're not watching it next week because <laughs> yeah. this is the finale. That's a very good point. But... It's done in such a way that it is accessible and you yeah. can follow it. And um, basically, what happens now is he convinces the future crew to go back. Cause he, he has that great bit where he says, the chicken and the egg will. And <laughs> Data's the one who realises what's going on. Yeah. And it's like the fact that Data 
understands it, the rest of them we'll can go, go okay, okay, data's run day, with it. If data says it's fine. Yeah, we'll go be. with it. And they go back and they see the formation of the anomaly. And this is one of the things that I'm not sure whether this works because the anomaly was created at the point that the three beams intersected. So it was created when the pastor did its beam. Yeah. So what should have happened is it should have been created and moved backwards through time, which means that they should have been able to see it when the pastor got there. Because it moves backwards, not mm. forwards. So it should be there. Yeah. But then I suppose this is part of the paradox because it can't be there until they've, they've done, done the tachyon beam. But either way, it shouldn't be there after they've done the tachyon beam because it moves backwards, it not moves forwards. Backwards. But then Data does have a line where he says, we may see the birth of the anomaly. So I suppose we can give them the benefit, benefit of the doubt, doubt that and say the... it had to come into being. At some... And then once it did, it started moving. Yeah, backwards. Moving backwards. And the, like all the other paradoxes that it throws up, and this is where... This is where Q's interference is absolutely crucial because future Picard has no reason to go to that system unless he remembers past what's happened in the past. Yeah. Which, that's fine. That's how time works. That's linear. But he wouldn't have memories of it happening in the past if he hadn't gone there in the future because it wouldn't have been created. Yeah. And past Picard wouldn't have gone there unless he remembered it from... from the 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 present and the future so it is just a huge uh, yeah anomaly and then if you take out the fact that Q's time jumping him what we've effectively got is three different realities really because they can't all exist in the same timeline because each one is doing it for the first time he's doing it for the first time and also if the past happens the way it does the present won't happen the way it did and, and so on and so on so those three timelines can't exist in the same time. So what you've got basically is three separate strands where Picard does this thing and does the anomaly and it creates it. And if Q hadn't moved him around to see that, then there's no way he could have solved it. No. It, it's like a sort of a grandfather paradox. It would have kept happening in yeah. perpetuity. But then the other question is... If future Picard had no reason to go there without the other things existing... Then it wouldn't have started. Then it wouldn't have started. The only reason future Picard goes there is because... Because the other two Q, have gone... Because Q puts present Picard's <laughs> memories in him. So did Q actually cause the... Well... But then he wouldn't well, have been able to fix well, it. Well, Q him. does tell him that the Q continuum have sentenced them. Yeah. So the Q continuum caused it to happen. Ah, that makes sense. So the Q continuum created this uh, uh, situation, this uh, paradox. Cre created this paradox, and Q's. Q gives Picard the key to, to unlock it so yeah. he can fix it. Yeah, I'll go with that. I like that. That That's cleared it up, so it's always kind of. Yeah, because Q does say that the Q continuum have sentenced them. He's. Yeah. Doing what he can to help. So he yeah, just say right. this. So the so, Q, the Q, yeah. so I can go with the Q continuum of cause the situation to, to cancel out humanity. Yeah, and then obviously it. The, I suppose it's another paradox in that by working it out, Picard is proving humanity worthy because yeah. they're capable of this higher yeah. level of thought. And I love the sequence. 
in the courtroom at the end where Q's saying, you know, that's what you're going to be looking at, not not travelling the Non-lease galaxy. Rubbish. It's, it's existence. That's what humanity's going for. And, and we've seen that throughout Star Trek, like with the Organians. Yeah. And Kess, when she ascends and all. And Q's even said it, like, you know, Guinan said, you know, they're worried that you'll become more Mom. than the Q eventually. And Q's obviously seen something. And it's it's this idea that we, we always sort of hit on, that there's something amazing about yeah, humanity. It, this isn't just done in Star Trek. This no, was it isn't. It was done in uh, Stargate, where they ascend, yeah, yeah. ascend and become the ancients. <clears throat> Obviously, they're not ancient, but... Yeah, the call the ancient. So. It's a common sort of theme, and you know you even get it in uh, Lord of the Rings. You know you've got people they sail off to the grey havens yeah. when they transcend the earth, and you know creation myths are full of it and everything. Yeah. But I find I think it's a really good ending to the series because it's you know there's so much more of disco- there's so much more of pattern upon discovery for humanity to do. Yeah, but then. That does leave you with a problem because you can't really show this exploration of existence on telly. No, you can't. So it's yeah. I'm afraid what we're actually going to see is you doing more of the <laughs> the space exploration. And, but and we've had a bit more of that since. Another, yeah, absolutely. We have had another five, twelve, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen series. Yeah, seasons exactly. of Star Trek since. There's plenty more to go. <laughs> So, and then, as we say, it finishes, we get a replay of the beginning, once it's all fixed, they they do it with a static warp shell, and it, yeah, and the other two all, Enterprise. Well, all three blow up. up. All three do, yeah. Yeah, right, all three yeah, blow up, and, and Q goes, well, this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> all good things must come to an end. Yeah, yeah, good title and the, and, and the blow up, but then it reverts to... Yeah, it goes back, and they've solved it. And then uh, again, that's paradoxical, yeah. isn't it? The episode hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> but Picard, though, we find out, does tell everyone about it. Yeah. And... No one else has any recollection. Yeah. It's just... So Picard's confident enough this future's not going to happen, but he's doing it for their own benefit, really. You don't want Riker and Worf to fall out. Yeah. Obviously, you don't want Deanna to die. He presumably don't want to divorce Beverly, or maybe he don't want to marry her, and that's why nothing possibly <laughs> nothing comes of it. He thinks, well, that were a waste of time. <laughs> um, and then it finishes with that lovely scene where he, he joins in the poker game, yeah, which is a nice. You know, we've we've seen the poker game over and over again. Yeah, Dad's always been absent. It's like you're always welcome, and you go. Yeah, I do be. like it where the where. The, before he walks in and the go to Riker, that's four hands in a row. How how yeah. did you do it? And he goes, I cheat. Yeah. And that's obviously a wink to the audience, isn't it? It's how does Riker win when there's someone who can see through the cards and someone who can read minds? Yeah. And data who can do all the who can card count all bloody. Exactly. So yeah, it's just a lovely, lovely scene and it it does a nice pan out from the table to the Enterprise and there's Sort of stars or nebulas or whatever, yeah. and it's a lovely it is a nice shot. pull out. The only thing, and, and you know, this is just how TV were made. How they superimpose the credit, you know, the executive producer credit, and uh, we just do, we don't really do that anymore in TV. Now we we let the final shot of the episode yeah. speak for itself, and then we go to credits. And I think maybe it'd have been nice just to leave the image and fade to black or whatever, but. 
that's just not how it would how it was no it, just you had to have your credit up there you know and fair enough but I think it's a great finale to next it gen it is a I think it's one of Next Gen's best episodes. It is. It is. They literally did save one of the best to. Yeah. To last, they obviously had a great budget for it. They yeah, were, yeah. I can't. I, like, I can't really remember season seven as having been cut back on budget throughout. No, I don't think so. Yeah, because I mean, like you did used to get that a lot in TV that you'd have a budget yeah, for, yeah, a se- yeah. for the season, and if you spent. And your budget might be like twenty six episodes. Might go right. You've got twenty six million. Yeah, but I mean, but if you spent four million on one episode, yeah, then, you had yeah. to pull that back from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no, I mean, season seven's got some pretty big. Like, yeah, we mentioned Eye of the Beholder, and in, in that episode, they build a set that's meant to be. Uh, it sort of shows them looking down the nacelle, and yeah. so that's a new set, and. Uh, uh, Will Wheaton's been back twice yeah. this season as Wesley and yeah. the previous episode we had all the stuff with the Maquis and um, yeah. Ensign Rowe came back so they don't look to a skint I mean yeah like that was a bit of a waste of time wasn't it all the setup with the Marquis well for what it ultimately went to led Voyager. to Voyager it was but DS9 did some good stuff they did it. do some good stuff DS9 um, DS9 did it properly they did yeah and I think the hope was, wasn't it, at one point that Michelle Forbes was going to join DS9, um, but ultimately she didn't, and they created the character Akira, yeah. so they, they sort of sent her off in this Mackie episode, but would have been interesting to her. I think they brought her back in the books, but yeah. So no, I mean, I, I do think it's a really, really it, strong episode. It is a strong episode, it's enjoyable, it's fun, it- it's good that it's a Picard episode as well. It which is. Which is the way it should be. Yeah. I mean, DS9's more of an ensemble piece. I mean, there's lean, you know, Cisco yeah. is the main focus, but it is more ensemble, whereas this is Picard from the Yeah, this is a Picard really episode. Like this that. is a big Picard episode. Yeah. But they give all the support. Everyone else has the roles to play properly. Yeah, it? absolutely. There are a couple of other bits I picked up. Um, you know, just in terms of like trivia and um, bits, we find out warp thirteen in the yeah. future, which yeah, well, it's almost going back to TOS warp skills. Yeah, like have they decided? Oh, we like the old TS warp skills instead Maybe of saying so, or... instead of keep saying like because it gets silly because we've said warp ten is the threshold. Yeah, what warp ten is? You're in every place in the universe yeah, at the same time it's the infinite improbability drive yeah. basically is but, 10 so warp drive sort of, it, it climbs steadily sort of through 1, 2 3, 4 <laughs> yeah. but it, it gets really steep does this curve Yeah. the closer well, you get to 10 so you start getting like warp 9.5 and warp 9.6 is a huge yeah. it's almost the well, difference of what warp 1 to warp 9 what I'm wondering is if we accept that you can't go faster than warp 10 or what we conventionally call warp 10 what they must have done is got to the stage where their engines are that good that the like you say the difference in warp 9.5 and 9.6 is that big that we now need to have a new scale to look well, at it well it's going back to because in TOS TOS they went at warp 12 and 16 and all sorts yeah yeah at different times and that's been explained that they, they use a different scale yeah. how they how they did it increment more incremental so 
they probably maybe thought, well, it does get confused, confusing how fast is what 9.875 yeah, to what 9.9. Yeah, like cause Voyager goes at what 9.975. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe, or maybe it's just that gap between 9.975 and 10 is big enough for us to go, okay, we're going to call that warp 11. We're well, it is, call that it is big enough because. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that must be what it is. Because a maximum warp 70 years to get home compared to immediately. Yeah, exactly. Is... <laughs> There's a lot of difference. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's. I a, can give that. A, I can give that away. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, and it, it's a nice, easy shorthand way of going. Technology's moved on a lot. Yeah. You know, it, for for seven years I've been saying warp eight, and then now we can go warp thirteen. Yeah. So it's a nice, easy way of going. We've moved on. Yeah, I'm quite happy that they've reverted back to TOS scale. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Um, there's another nice part. Where um, Picard's in the past, Picard of this one, yeah, has to contact Riker to say that the world yes, going to five yeah. point, and it's um, from uh, Arsenal of Freedom. Arsenal of Freedom, yeah, <laughs> the views Yeah, clips. very, very well done. Nice, very nicely cut in. Yeah, they did do well and, with that. Right, obviously we watch lots of Star Trek, so we recognise. Yeah, it yeah. But it was nice to have the old. Like the young yeah, Riker, the young Riker and they've not made him shave his beard off yeah. to pretend to be younger, and it all works out nicely. We see Riker isn't on the ship at that point, yeah. so we don't have to get Frakes to shave his yeah. beard. So it all works out. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's lots of lovely little bits. Like um, there's almost a bit. There's almost a sort of a meta comment where you've got Q saying, you know, I, I said I wanted you to explore. What you know, humanity and the universe and blah blah blah. But you've done Data's witless exploration of humanity <laughs> and Worf doing the. It's almost like they're going, yeah, we've done a lot of stories about that, haven't we, over the years? Yeah, it's a nice little tip of the hat there to that one. And speaking of Data, it's quite cool to see him acting like season one Data again. Yeah. You know, like the first bit where he walks through engineering, and I can't remember what he said, but he says, oh, you shouldn't do that because. Uh, and they go, no, it's. Uh, it, uh, it's O'Brien, isn't it? And he says, you know, no, it's uh, it's burning the midnight oil. And he says, no, it's a, you know, it's a euphemism. It's yeah. not, <laughs> we're not really talking about it. And Tomalock uh, cropping up the Romulan, uh, which you know he's been in yeah. a few episodes over the yeah, years. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was quite nice. Saying, let's, we need to get moving to look at the anomaly. I'm, I'm aware that's probably what you're here for. Yeah, not creating so work. Let's not. And he goes, have you got the uh, back of the Federation know about this? Went no, I like this plan. Then. Yes, <laughs> he's great. I, I, uh, oh, I forgot the is Andreas Katsoulis, who he was Jakar in yeah. Babylon Five, a great actor. Um, and he, he often played a murderer in eighties films. Yeah, I think he was the murderer in The Fugitive and the murderer in some. One way, Michael Douglas. Anyway, I do like him as Jakar. Yeah, I'm a big Babylon Five fan. Yeah, Jakar's an amazing character, but we'll get onto that one day, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, it's just you know, there's very few things that I would pick up as that I don't like. Like, suppose the the only bit that I think stands out 
is where Q says your trek through the stars and it's like oh come on no I quite like that he, I quite like that I thought that was quite a nice touch because um, um, Cochrane does it in yes he says some kind of Star Trek <laughs> yeah he does it in first have contact have you heard about this thing that people do at the cinema and apparently it's like a sort of a subculture thing that people do and they go to the film and then if at any point in the film a character says the name of the film, they stand up and clap and then piss off and just leave the cinema. So most of the time Star Trek you'd be alright, but um, First Contact they'd have had to yeah. do the little clap. But like some films that would just be ridiculous, like, you know, I'm trying to think. The Terminator. Terminator, yeah. <laughs> Logan. As soon as someone says Logan, hey, and they're off. Batman. Batman. Oh, Superman. So, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, basically, <laughs> any superhero film, you're in trouble. But, yeah, apparently that's the thing. So No, I've not heard of that, and I will not be joining that I course. would love to see it, though. I won't be doing it, but I'd love to be in a screening where that happens. And, yeah, just to watch them do it. But, anyway, if they want to waste the money doing it, that's fair <laughs> enough. If anyone who's listening does that, let us know, and, uh, you know, Link us into your Facebook group or something, so I won't mind seeing footage of people doing that. But anyway, um, so that's pretty much all good things. Then I mean, we could go on about how great it is for hours, but yeah. I think we've sort of covered the main points. Before we wrap up this episode and wrap up the road to Picard, yeah, because like, will this be airing this on the? This is going to go out pretty much the day before Picard drops. Yeah, one day you'll have. A day or two, maybe. So most people probably be listening to this after Picard's drops, yeah. really. Um, but, yeah, we want to sort of touch on our last sort of thoughts with what's going to go on Picard, especially yeah. now we've had the like, Children of Mars short. Yeah, we've, we've been really good and we've not talked about the short treks because I know a lot of people yeah, yeah. don't have, haven't got access to them. Particularly outside of the US. Yeah, um, which, come on... Y- US, sort that out. Yeah, we need to. I mean, I think someone did ask them and they said they might make, they should make the way to Netflix eventually. No, we know they'll make the way, but they need to do something about letting. I'm not sure if this one will, because this is a prequel to Picard and Netflix aren't going to want to show a prequel to a show show that's on Prime. Yeah. So, you know, it's fallen victim really to the the networks there, but yeah, so we're going to have a few spoilers for Children of Mars then just because this is the one that this is uh, the prequel to Picard built to Picard so first of all we got David Bowie again yeah we have David Bowie in Discovery Tilly was singing it uh, singing Space Oddity and now we've got Heroes so is David Bowie the only contemporary artist that survives to the 24th 23rd century it's it's funny really this episode because there's very little talking in this episode it's literally you've got we could be heroes and it's a slow version of it yeah yeah yeah. it's not the Bowie version yeah yeah. it's a slow version that literally lasts the entire short trek yeah it does and it's a very short short trek anyway about seven minutes yeah and yeah so it's basically the two girls bullying each other at school and both their parents of each of them works on Mars and then Mars is attacked Tapped. by what rogue synths is what yeah. it says in the news report that we see so we're assuming 
that this is going to tie in with. The and also, it has. Um, you don't hear anything from Picard, but it has. Uh, he has a shot Picard, of and it goes. Admiral Picard devastated. So we're guessing that this is before a good few years before Picard, because he's yeah. still an admiral. Yeah, he's still in Starfleet. Well, I was. I, I've been wondering, like, with this first part, the two girls. Yeah. I wonder if them two girls are going to crop up in Picard. Part. Are we going to see them as older characters? And yeah, going to be because we know that they are some. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't. That these sort. To... I don't know if you call it his crew, but he, his band. Yeah, he's yeah, and it has these people. So I'm wondering if them two are going to be part of or it. Or one of them at least. Yeah, yeah. could well be. Uh, I had that thought, and then the other thing is the synths. Are we assuming that the synths are going to be whatever that bunch of robots we saw in a Picard yeah. with the numbers on the heads? I think it could be. And, and then we sort of, well, synths, have they been messing with Lauren before? And Yeah, is this a Soon-type android? And what we were sort of getting at is, well, Data's dead in the timeline, and Data is the only machine that we know that the Federation is recognised as sentient. So does the fact that Data's now dead open the door for people like Commander Maddox who want to mass produce that technology? Yeah. And if that's the case and they create what's essentially a slave race out of androids, is that what force you know, leads to Picard leaving Starfleet? Well, like, is it the rogue synths that have attacked Mars? Blown that it up? seems to be what so, it is. Which, so that gives you the... So from that you sort of have to think, hold on, is this a rebellion because they have been enslaved? Yeah, quite possibly so. And, and, you know, and does it lead to... Like, we speculated that the, tra- the tragedy is all because it's going to be um, Romulus. Yes, What's, we know he led this rescue armada, but it could be an evacuation that, what, of Mars. Yeah, right, well... Or, somewhere else yeah know. but the thing is devastating thing that he left uh, Starfleet yeah, yeah. over could be the fact that they created a synthetic army yeah. of Datas which he'd argued against yeah he had established the, law, the laws the laws prevented that they've then attacked Mars and then instead of destroying them they've got them all back maybe so yeah and as we've you know um, if you look back at federation history they have got prior form because they had all the holographic doctors cleaning out the loos on the moon or whatever it yeah, was yeah and cleaning out pipes and so you know it's not it's not too much of a stretch to say that in the years since voyager finished nemesis have we gone to the stage of yep yeah, we've got holographic slaves yeah, we've Could built, we have robotic slaves? Yeah, we've got a robotic army now. Because, maybe because of the loss of life also from the Dominion War. Exactly, yeah. Let, like, well, let's have... We can make all these synthetics. Let's build them. Let's do it. They can fight our and wars. We no longer have the obstacle of data because he was the only one that we've recognised as a life form. We won't recognise these as such. Yeah. And that could happen, and that is exactly the sort of thing that Jean-Luc Picard would not stand for yeah. so yeah, lost, he lost faith in Starfleet exactly Federation. and that'd make sense so you know it could well be something entirely different yeah. but it's another avenue that we might explore so 
by the time you're listening to this, you may well have more of an answer to that. I doubt. I don't think all the cards will be dealt in the first episode. No. But and also, like exciting things. Um, before it's even been shown, Picard has been renewed for yep. season two. Season two. Discovery before it's shown yeah. has been renewed for season four. Yep. Um, Alex Kurtzman has announced two more live action TV sh- Star in, Trek TV that shows are that are in development. One of them we assume is the Michelle Yeoh Section Thirty One show. Another one we hope. Oh, we hope is. Oh, actually, he said there's two in addition to that one. So we've got Michelle Yeoh Section Thirty One. We hope Pike and Spock. Yeah. Um, whatever they're gonna call it. Um and. There's there's been a rumor floating around for a long time. The other one might be a Starfleet Academy show. So that's something I think well, even the, Roddenberry were keen on they've doing. They've been that. talking about Starfleet Academy since since oh, about the 90s. motion picture. No, before the motion picture. No, it was uh, pitched before the motion picture. I was it pitched as a show. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was pitched back in oh, I think it was pitched back in about seventy six, seventy five. Yeah. It was pitched after the animated series. Right. So we might finally get there. We don't so know. So animated series was what about seventy two, seventy three, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, be about seventy four, seventy five. They started pitching the academy. There you go. So <laughs> maybe it'll finally happen. I know Bill Shatner wrote a few books. I doubt they'll base them on that, but you never know. Um, so yeah, so we're looking forward to Picard. The next episode that you'll hear from us will be our take on the first episode of Picard. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do as best to keep to a weekly schedule while Picard's running and try and get an episode out every week. Episode out before the next one the next airs. One airs. Um, obviously, if you're different places in the world, you'll be getting it different times. Um, you know, but we're going like, to do our best. We'll get it on a Friday. We'll get it a Friday. Most of the rest of the world will get it. Yeah, Friday. so that gives us plenty. So if we can record, yeah, Mondays. we're going to try and get them out there for you. So in the meantime, if you want to give us any theories on Picard or thoughts on anything we've done up to now, get in touch. We're on Facebook. If you search for Retrek, you'll find us. We're on Twitter at Retrek Pod, and we're on email retrekpod at gmail.com. Uh, but for now from us, thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.